0: everybody, it is another week, another episode of the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm not. Well, no, I'm Nick. <laughs> you're somebody else. I'm- I would hope you're not, Nick. Then we'd have a real big issue here. No, I'm John. And we are happy to be here talking uh, hockey. Uh, it's been a wild week. Uh, we'll have some reactions to everything going on. Uh, like the fact that I saw that there was a trade. The Vancouver Canucks not only finally won their first game since the last time we talked... Uh, our favorite coach, Bruce Boudreau, now at 600 wins. But they got a little help on the blue line. They got Ethan Baer from the Hurricanes in uh, uh, an early season move that, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of that
1: in the NHL. Yeah, and it seems like this works out for both teams. Ethan Bear's a perfectly capable bottom-pairing defenseman. I mean, he was just having a hell of a time cracking the hurricanes lineup because they're absolutely stacked at defense right now. I, I think they mostly brought him on board in case injuries happened or something among those lines. Uh, but you know, you can only scratch them so many games there. So it's nice that Ethan bears get head to somewhere where he'll get a little bit more playing time. And uh, the hurricanes have one less contract.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's actually uh, that you, funny you say that uh, good for the hurricanes that free up that space uh, for the future. Down the road, they already have that kind of taken care of. But you're right. This is a young 25-year-old player. He's got a right-handed shot, generated a lot of interest. Uh, It took a fifth-round pick from Vancouver to get him, which might seem a little low. Uh, I know they're retaining some of the salary, the Hurricanes. I think, uh, I can't see, it was a little bit, 18%. 18% of uh, his salary. Uh, They also took on another contract as well, which helps out the Hurricanes uh, get another contract off the books while keeping Vancouver around the uh, cap limit. Uh, But you're right. This is a good deal for both. Uh, He is now like their, what, probably their second, maybe third best defenseman now with all the injuries that they're suffering. Uh, Probably around there,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. If Quinn Hughes exits your lineup and Ethan Baird takes his place, you're in really bad shape. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's what he was brought in to do. I think he's gonna be someone that adds something to their lineup a little bit and you know hopefully shakes things up a little. I yeah. did read, I did read that uh, Toronto was looking at him, uh, but didn't want to give up a draft pick for him. Interesting because we'll talk about
0: Toronto later on in their situation. Um, maybe that's a wise move not to do that, uh, actually at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. For them, they have one, two, three, four, five picks in the next draft. So surrendering another one may not have been a great idea for him, but at the same time, I mean, how much is a fifth round pick really likely to pan out?
0: You know, fifth round, five years for that pick anyway. You know, you probably moved on from your general manager at that point. So the guy, the people that drafted him aren't even in the organization anymore by the time he's getting to like the AHL. So yeah, you know, it is a fifth round pick. He's a 25 year old defenseman. Uh, Not bad. You know, he's, there are little questions about his, his, his style, whether or not, you know. He's big enough and can kind of uh, rough it up out there. But I think at 25, the upside is really good for that type of player that you might want to take the chance at him. That's why there was a lot of interest. Uh, but, yeah, I know I know some people are probably like, only a fifth-round pick for him, huh? Uh, and, yeah, that's – I mean, it seems on par for, for what he's been able to do and what he's shown, you know, where his – he's not projected to be a top-four defenseman or anything like that, this guy, but he's, he should be a solid – blue liner. It's just it's just a bad situation in Vancouver with everybody that's uh, you know injured on that blue line right now that you know they needed help and they got it.
1: Yeah. They certainly weren't an Ethan Bear away for being uh, con, uh contender, but he's certainly not gonna harm their chances, I'd say that yeah.
0: this is not the move that's turning Vancouver fully around. Uh you know <laughs> this they're ready. there there are a lot of other issues going on there. Uh, but mentioning the injuries, we we talked about this, I want to say, in our uh, episode three. But injuries playing a big toll again. Uh, I know I sent it to you. i was going to start with the Flyers because I got the Ranger Flyer game on here. Uh, Sean Couturier, out three to four months, back surgery. And I want to start with him because uh, there is a long list of it, some pretty big players going down right now. And how this is going to shape up, but the Flyers were off to a good are off to a good start. I don't think this is going to yeah. be sustained, uh, but it's a good start. But losing Couturier three to four months definitely hurts whatever chances they think they have. But with it being back surgery, I fear for what his future is because this is a really good player, and back surgery is a game changer. This is not, you know. Uh, even a torn ACL, you know, I feel like that's much more like, all right, maybe he's, I don't know, this is, this is, especially for his position, this is kind of a really, if I'm the Flyers, I'm really
1: scared about the future. Yeah, who's the first player that comes to mind when you think of an NHL or having back surgery? Mm. Because I'll tell you, the first person I thought of with all of my bias was Henrik Zetterberg. And when he had that done to fix a herniated disc, he was, was never it. the same. Yeah,
0: it's it's. I mean, uh, that is that is a big time surgery, and and Keturier is fairly youngish, right? I want to say. Well, way, well,
1: like... well, here's what here's what concerned about me because you know I always like to try to bring into account the player's entire history for something like this, and he yes won it. He won a Selkie two seasons ago. Let's not forget. Uh, three seasons of that this point, my bad. Uh the nineteen twenty season, he played a very nice uh sixty-nine games. Mm. Nice. The next year, twenty twenty-one, played forty-five games. Mm. So even though that was the COVID shortened fifty-six uh game season, he couldn't stay healthy through all of that. How much do you think he played last year, 21-22? Uh, I want to say it
0: was only like fifty games, right? Twenty nine. Oh wow, I really oversold that.
1: So yeah, it, it were. Th- this isn't something that's going to be written in stone form, but we're really starting to see a trend with Sean Couturier and the ability to stay healthy. Uh, lucky for the Flyers, he is only signed until uh, it says here twenty thirty. So (laughs) this could really end up being a problem. Hopefully whatever he's having done fixes what's bothering him because he's an awesome player to be able to watch. But this is really concerning if you're the Flyers.
0: Yeah. I mean, and 2030, you know, that's, again, this is kind of one of those surgeries that uh, we don't know the severity of it. You know, for all we know, this could be like a, a little thing relieving pressure or something like that but but still hearing the words back surgery i'm thinking that this is much bigger than it is but hey we see jack eichel right now you know the guy needed neck surgery and i and we were all wondering how he was going to do when he came back and
1: and you could not tell that he Light was gone yeah.
0: yeah yeah but you bring up a great point with kiterier's history of not being able to play a full season, even in the COVID shortened year, he tends to always get injured. So there seems to be something there, uh, but the flyers, they invested big. I know they invested big in him. I remember he got a big extension and I want to say he was injured when they gave him the extension too, which was kind of shocking. Yeah. yeah I think I'm pretty sure he was, he was done. He was done for the year at that point, And then they announced an extension and it was a little bit of a head scratcher for the, all the reasons you said it was like, can he even finish a season? Uh, but yeah, person, person wise, like just human being wise, I hope he gets that this helps, but if I'm an investment, you know, like, like if I'm the flyers and this is my investment and I'm looking at this from a business standpoint, uh, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know, you know, cause now I don't know what I'm getting and I've got a guy here that's injury prone. And now is getting back surgery and might not even be you know I'm whole if he comes back fifty percent of the player that he was prior, cool, you know, but that's the thing. I now have to lower my expectation of of this really good player and go, oh, I just hope I get half of what I had prior,
1: yeah, and even just having him as someone that can play on your second line rather than your first coming off of a back surgery, that's still something that you can work with. Yeah. Uh, I, I think eventually, like you said, the flyer success isn't going to be sustainable. They're going to come back down to earth here at some point. Uh, but Carter Hart's doing all he can to keep them in it right now.
0: Yeah. It's all it's, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's a torts team, man. Like they're stealing points. They're doing the thing that a lot of John Tortorella teams do. Like you, you live in the Columbus area. You know what he did with the blue jackets when he got there. he, that Blue Jackets team was not really, you know... its first year there, I, nobody was really looking at them at being that good of a team. And he yeah. milks as many wins as he can out of his teams. That's what he does. A
1: very defensive-minded coach. You get your players to block a lot of shots. Yeah. And suddenly, the goaltending looks really good. Might yeah. be a connection. And, I don't know.
0: And And, well, but also, Carter Hart is not... There's still something that could be there. There's still a really good goalie there. He just hasn't been for a stretch of time now for a little over a season. But it, it, but we already saw how good he could be that maybe he's back to – maybe he found being Carter Hart again. Now, what he's putting yeah. up right now, the numbers he's putting up are unsustainable. Uh, but if they are, congratulations, Flyers. You shocked all of us and your management was correct and we should have believed. But I don't believe that his numbers are sustainable because they're just – off the charts right now for any goalie. And
1: and it's really, he's very much a chicken or the egg situation. I feel like you see this with a lot of goalies is that is, did his numbers go down a little bit because the defenders in front of him for a number of years resembled a landfill full of pylons Mm -hmm. or did, did he just kind of come back down to earth after having one really good year? Uh, And if you remember, that was a huge part of Ron Hextall departing the Flyers was he didn't want to bring Carter Hart up just yet. I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a, a huge disagreement on where they were philosophically. Uh, you know, Ron Hextall wanted to kind of take it slow with them. Uh, and now he works for the Penguins. So clearly someone in that organization disagreed with him and mm, filled him with The
0: with peng, Penguins the ageless penguins that are just still doing penguins things. Um, yeah, so this is a tough break for the flyers. Uh, but again, best. I hope for Sean Couturier, it, it, it helps with whatever is happening, but yeah, tough break for the flyers. Uh, other injuries, uh, Jake Ottinger had to exit, uh, the stars Rangers game over the weekend with a lower body injury. uh, Back in our preview, I said Ottinger was going to be the key to the stars. So yeah, they, they, they need him in that
1: band. Yeah. It's, it's irritating because you really wanted to see if he was going to be able to sustain the performance that he put up in the playoffs last year. And hopefully he's back quickly and we can find out.
0: Yeah. Um, As he said, Jones is also out three to four weeks with a thumb injury for the Blackhawks. Uh, that sucks, but you know, for the Blackhawks, uh, they've actually been winning some games. Uh, kind of messing up the whole team right now. Uh, that's a that's a somehow to the Hawks, they're ahead long.
1: of Colorado.
0: In yeah, the right now. I mean, well, depending on how who you talk to and where you go on the internet, um, the sky is falling for certain teams. Uh, and and for other, it's it's yeah you know, the overreaction to not even being 10 games in the season is actually quite impressive. I thought I had seen it all before, but uh, <laughs> every year I'm always surprised by just how much more uh, overreaction people have to certain
1: things. Uh well, well it's <laughs> so, getting yeah. to that point that you can start to to you know extrapolate and draw some conclusions from stuff. It's not quite there uh, yet. But uh but yeah, I I would not yeah. expect you know, let's say uh, the Devils to be ranked ahead of the Penguins for per se, but there's three points that separate them, so you know, it's not quite enough room to draw any conclusions there. Yeah, I mean, and again, just
0: looking at a team like the Flyers, for instance, you know, they're sitting right there, uh, one point behind the Rangers for, for third in the Metro, uh, and to tie the Devils as well, two points behind Carolina for first. Do we really think the Flyers are going to be a team that is going to be, you mentioned it, ahead of the Penguins, ahead of Washington, heck, even ahead of the
1: Islanders?
0: (laughs) Like, no, I'm I'm not looking at the Flyers and thinking that's a team that's going to be there in the mix the the whole way. Uh, But, you know, right now people are doing that. And the same with the Sabres. I mean, let's, let's, let's look at the Buffalo Sabres, man. Nine games in, six and three. Uh, I hate to bring it up, but they 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 put up uh, a football touchdown they on you guys,
1: Detroit last night. <laughs> like they
0: they they they're looking great. They're scoring. They're
1: it's all Six working good. Game by Tage Thompson.
0: Yeah, like it all looks so good, right? Uh, but do we really expect Buffalo to not at the end of November go into you know all right the season's over, right? No, but there there's actually many, many more months to go. Buffalo, like it's not a two month
1: season. Well, well, here here's the thing that jumps out to me a lot about Buffalo is that if I asked you to tell me who's leading the team in points right now, who would you, who would you consider? You'd think maybe Alex Tuck, maybe Kyle Okposo's rediscovered him his old self, uh, Tage Thompson, as I mentioned, which is a little bit of a trick question because technically, after having a six point night, Tage Thompson is tied for the lead in points at Buffalo. But the leading scorer they had going into last night's game, Rasmus Dalin. Oh, wow. 12 points in nine games, only three of them coming on the power play. So you know he's really contributing at five on five. Uh, We hate the plus minus stat, but he's a plus nine and over a 10 (sighs) game period. That's helpful. That's Uh, impressive. It's hard to figure out exactly what's led to this resurgence with him because somehow I don't think playing with Jacob Bryson is what really unlocked him. I I almost kind of suspect that after Owen Power came in, another number one overall pick, uh, that you know was going to be the big future of this defense, it almost kind of shook him up a little bit. And now yeah, he got the kick. Yeah. And so he's he's trying to figure out what he's gonna do. Is he gonna be the next Ah, uh, you know, top defenseman in Buffalo, or is he headed for the Christian Ehrhoff, Rasmus in route? Uh and and again, early in the season to draw any grand conclusions, but it really stood out to me looking over stuff this week at just how resurgent he has been compared to other years.
0: I and I like I like Dali. I think he's a good player, so uh, it's cool to see him. I was going to guess Jeff Skinner. Um, yeah. Jeff- yeah. That really would have uh, that that would have broken everything if Jeff Skinner was leading the team <laughs> points, uh, and 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 that's all it took. But uh, I mean, the thing is, is like the Sabers are doing what the Sabers are doing, right? Like I feel like the Sabers do this a lot, where they come out and they have, you know, we're talking about them and we're like, my goodness, is this the year Buffalo is going to be good? And then for whatever reason, around Thanksgiving, heading into December, they just, they fall off, they become, you know, another, oh, all right, they're the Sabres that we that we know and love, uh, a team that puts their fan base through misery. Uh, I, I know a Sabres fan, he's cautiously optimistic, he's loving the start, but he's accustomed to. A lot of years in a row seeing a start like this and then all of a sudden it's a nine game losing streak and you you instantly fell out of it because any type of losing streak like that uh, really, you know, a losing streak like that to start the year like we can react to Vancouver's tough start and go, oh, crap. Here we go again, because that is digging yourself a hole because now you put yourself in in the coyote situation. You know where you are 100 percent trace trace. Uh, Chasing everybody at that point, uh you know, you're not clumped in the middle. You're not banking points like teams like the Devils are doing, teams like the Flyers are doing, Buffalo, and all of them right now that are banking points could help, could help, but yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. there's a great story right now. I love that Do- leading the team, and maybe he is having a resurgence. Maybe they are turning a corner. But I, to quote my Sabers buddy friend, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that this is anything really to get excited about
1: yeah they say you can't make the playoffs in november but you can sure as hell be eliminated from them yeah
0: yeah i wonder fans know that from last year they're still screaming about it
1: yeah and and, <laughs> and the biggest thing that i think about when we talk about buffalo is just how much the atlantic division has been shaken up uh the in the past couple of weeks especially with the number of injuries that are piling up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one team there is Boston right now. Yeah. Uh Buffalo number two, like we all predicted. Not Tampa, oh, yeah. not Toronto, not Florida, Buffalo. Uh and, and the number of things that we've seen can spread out over a number of different teams. Uh the really big one for me uh was Florida going without Aaron Eklad for a little bit. Uh, He has some sort of lower body injury, and it doesn't necessarily completely sideline the Panthers right off the bat. Uh, But when you consider the fact that they traded Mackenzie Weger as with Huberto to get uh, Kachuk, that's your entire top defensive pairing from last year is gone now. Hmm granted Aaron Eckblad will probably be back at some point but i can we talked a little bit about wondering who might fall out from the playoff picture whether you know we speculate about boston and you know i'm 100% correct in that analysis uh, but florida really standing out as someone who's potentially taken big steps back this year despite the a big name acquisition there
0: yeah it's funny uh Looking at the trade now between Florida and Calgary, uh, Calgary seems to be uh, doing pretty good when we all, Calgary, you know, I, I actually thought Calgary had gotten better. I thought that they were in a really good position. Yeah, I, I,
1: I think we both kind of right agreed by by that, that this Calgary was... Stepped back. Yeah, I, I think we both kind of agreed that uh this may not be a great mo- set of moves for Calgary in 3 years but for 1 year it's fine.
0: Oh yeah, it's a great move, but the Panthers it's um as you said, the injuries are just kind of uh, making it a little tough now, uh, you know, on that especially on that first line pairing which you know, you're going to need players to step up. I st- I still think Florida is a really good team, but this could impact them as far as down the road uh maybe chasing Boston for that number one spot because
1: oh absolutely right now it
0: seems like the Bruins are just going to really just be the Bruins
1: right now. <laughs> They're playing yeah, so and, good. And, and when we talked about the importance of banking points and stuff like that. The Panthers are five points back from Boston. So this isn't oh has <laughs> the number played the same team. number of games. <laughs> yeah yeah, so so this isn't a matter of, oh, you know, string together a couple wins and we got it. No, you need to win three games at the same time that Boston loses three games. And that's a pretty tall order. It's early enough on the season that it could happen. But it when we talked about how important it is to bank those points early on, this is exactly the sort of thing that we're talking about now. Because yeah. whatever win Florida gets, it doesn't really matter unless Boston loses too. Otherwise, they're just digging themselves a hole.
0: Yeah, and Boston's on a five-game winning streak. They're eight and one to start the season. The only other team that is uh, on pace with them is the Golden Knights, and they've played one extra game, and they're eight and two on the season. So, uh, and did, did, did who had that on the bingo card that Boston and the Golden Knights were going to be yeah. the top two teams? Uh, as we got to uh, ten games into the season,
1: I, I think we all thought they'd be good. I don't think anyone anticipated them being this good.
0: Yeah, and I know tonight Boston and Pittsburgh are playing, so um, that should be yeah, a fun.
1: I, I'm hanging up with you immediately and jumping over to watch that. Uh, yeah, that, well, but,
0: that's at eight, so we we gotta we gotta hurry through this recording then.
1: <laughs> well, well, then, well, then let's talk about some of Boston's. Competition in the Atlantic division, then uh, okay. Ottawa is without their starting goalie, Cam Talbot, although he may be back Saturday, but anytime you're starting goalies on the shelf, that makes you nervous. And then Josh Norris, one of their young potential star uh, centers, who was uh, centering a line between Claude Giroux and uh, Alex DeBrincat, he is injured and he could be out for the entire year. So this is going to be a really big problem for them uh, going that long without him. They are they're doing what they can with Shane Pinto, who's been a very promising rookie thus far. Uh, He is currently centering their second line, but I would not want to have to have him there unless I absolutely had to. So losing Josh Norris is going to be huge for them. They're really going to have to depend on a lot of young players and they're at the bottom of the Atlantic right now. So that could be tough.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't really counting the senators in on anything this year to be truthfully honest. And, You know, you you informing me as well that they're up for sale now. Um, It's kind of a good thing, but uh, you know, uh, they they they've already dug themselves into their hole. Uh, Other teams in that division, I'm looking at. I'm I'm trying to figure out what Toronto is. Uh, I still, you know, you can't ever sleep on Tampa. I still like Florida and we know Boston is Boston, man. They're, they're running with that one.
1: Yeah. And the, and the three, the three teams that you really saw take steps forward in the off season was Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit. Uh, Buffalo, probably the least out of the three of them, but sometimes it's addition by subtraction, you know? Yeah. Uh, Detroit is without Tyler Bertuzzi, who broke his hand, blocking a shot. And uh, Jacob Verana is out long-term in the NHLPA's assistance program. So we don't know if he'll be back at all this year. And if he does come back, we have no way of knowing when. Uh, Granted, I'm glad he's getting help if he needs it. Uh, Hopefully we are eventually in a world where we don't have to stop when someone has an issue like this and say, actually, it's good that they're out for a while. Uh, But that taking away two-thirds of Detroit's top line is going to make it really difficult for them to compete as well. So, and then the opposite story with all these injuries, Boston didn't have Marchand until this last weekend and still doesn't have Charlie McAvoy. And yet, nine games played, one loss to show for it, Two games up on the Sabres, so they can drop one or two and not even necessarily lose any ground. Uh, the Bruins penalty kill right now also stood out to me because it's operating at oh, 93 percent, which over any non game period, a penalty kill like that is phenomenal. Somehow, the Islanders have a higher or a uh, higher rate of success. I don't know how that happens, uh, but. Somehow, all these injuries having these huge impacts on these teams, Boston keeps right on rolling.
0: Yeah, I don't uh, get it. I I don't get it as well. And and yeah, you bring up a great point. They they were doing it without so their top guys like Brad Marchand. Uh, you know I, I I God, it's it's they. I did not think they were going to be this good to start the year, but yeah, that's an impressive penalty kill. And if your penalty kill is operating like that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know. You're just—they're a good team, man, and and they're—they—they—they they shocked me to start the year. That's for sure.
1: I I thought they would age. Yeah, I, I thought Marchand's a year older, Bergeron's a year older. Missing, uh, you know, missing McAvoy and and Marchand to start yeah, the they, year. Yeah, they have to start to decline, uh, and yet here we are. Yeah. So so the way that would make the whole East playoffs shape up and this is gonna be something that we watch over the year but you you figure your three locks in the Atlantic are gonna be Boston Toronto Tampa right I don't yeah. think that's or if well, to say it's those three well maybe we'll get to uh, Toronto,
0: we'll, we'll get to Toronto yeah. <laughs>
1: uh in the metro three locks at this point probably the Rangers the Penguins Hurricanes right Yes.
0: Uh, and uh, Hurricanes are absolutely going to win that division. Uh, I honestly, the Rangers have me a little. I, what I'm really seeing from them right now, they kind of have that uh, feels like that weird, gallant uh, second year thing going on, um, at least to start the year. But they
1: looked but good we in the last game. Though, we can agree that way the team is built. They They're definitely set up to their playoff teams teams. yeah Yeah.
0: they're they're more of a playoff team than i mean they have to build off of that success of last year otherwise it's a complete step back
1: And, and so then for your two remaining playoff spots your potential contenders for that are florida buffalo detroit ottawa the devils the islanders and the caps I don't like my chances if I'm any of those teams, regardless, because a lot Florida might be a step ahead of of a couple of them, especially with Spencer Knight in net. But for the rest of them, there's not a ton that really separates them right now.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I have liked what I've seen from the Islanders to start the year. Uh, but again, I just my biggest question with that is. Or, or how how well are they built to sustain the entire year and they're just kind of, they're over-exceeding. Like you mentioned the penalty kill. Like, there are certain areas where they're just kind of over-exceeding right now. Like, we had said, who's going to score on that team and they've been getting secondary scoring, which is nice. But when that goes cold, who's going to score and how long is that going to go cold for? Uh, but I have liked their start to the year so far. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on the Islanders.
1: Yeah, the, the, I've I've liked their start, too. And I don't know that that was the biggest thing we said going into the year is they didn't change the lineup that much. They didn't really yeah. add anyone or, or subtract anyone. They just got uh, older because they just kept yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah. So so I did. I didn't expect that the Islanders would perform that differently going from Barry Trotz to the Barry Trotz protege. Uh, But, you know, we'll see how the rest of the year plays out for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Barry Trotz. Oh, yeah. We
0: should probably talk about that. Um, Absolutely. Because we've teased Toronto a little bit. Uh, they are an absolute mess right now. They dropped their fourth in a row. Um, And since it's Toronto, everybody's really losing their mind. Uh, but I think rightfully so. I mean, Toronto was a team that I said, this is it. They're going to end their, their drought. They're going to finally win their first round. It's going to be like the Capitals once they get past the first round, which is their version of the Penguins. It's, it's off into the races for Toronto. But yeah, losers of four in a row. And it's it's the way that they're doing it is what is so standout-ish about it, because this is an extremely talented team. And then they're blowing it in the third period to the worst team in the league in the Anaheim Ducks.
1: And it wasn't even just the Ducks leading into that. They opened the year losing to the Canadians. They mm-hmm. lost to the Coyotes at home. Then they go on the road for a bit. Uh, They lose to the Golden Knights, which, hey, you know, that's an elite team. That's going to happen. And then they drop three straight through California to the Sharks, Kings, and Ducks. So at a certain point, you're looking at and saying, what is happening with these guys? And it seems like if if you want to point to teams that maybe play down a little to their competition, uh, you don't really need to go farther from the Leafs because they've always had a tendency to do that, the way this team is put together.
0: Which is but, weird because again, I really think that this is an extremely talented team. Uh, I, 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 it blows my mind that they play down the way that they play down because of how good they are,
1: yeah. And, and of course, because they're under that microscope in Toronto. Uh, you know, you had the thing about Sheldon Keefe earlier this year saying their best players need to be better and then walking that back in front of everybody as though that wasn't a totally reasonable thing to say. Uh, it, you have them blowing games in overtime. These aren't, you know, games where they're getting the doors blown off of them. They're losing by one or two goals most nights. But, it, yeah. it's, but you don't know how long it can keep piling up like this before it starts to get in their head.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing—the four in the row, the teams that they've lost to—it's it raises good concern. And since this is Toronto, and you mentioned a certain coach in Barry Trotz, uh, there was you know, Trotz was allegedly uh, done with coaching for the year and had no interest in in coaching, uh, but then apparently made a pivot uh, like last week and hinted that he wouldn't mind. Coaching an original six team, well, looking around the league at Detroit those original six
1: teams, coach. Chicago yep. just got a new coach. Boston off to a fantastic start. Rangers, Rangers got Gallant. Yeah, maybe, maybe Rangers. I don't know. They could, but uh, Montreal just got a new coach. Who else is left? I mean,
0: in the Canadian, who's who's left? Yeah. Who's on a four-game losing streak? whose coach has been on the hot seat for a while and is now even more so on the hot seat uh, but Toronto and I could see a scenario in which Sheldon Keefe if this team loses again if they lose five in a row I could see Sheldon Keefe losing his job and Barry Trotz going into Toronto and trying to change the thing. Here he comes, the guy with the cup, the guy that's known to take teams deep and one of the best coaches come in and start coaching that team. And I, I don't know, there's something needs to be done there, whether it is the coaching chain or maybe it's a trade. But then again, who do you trade?
1: Well, well let, let, me, let me touch on this first because... We specifically remember Barry Trotz saying he need to go spend, you know, a few weeks somewhere warm and then he would be ready to coach, which if there's one person that could decide, yes, I'll coach for your team, but only after a certain date, Barry Trotz is certainly entitled to that. But mm-hmm. I pulled up their schedule and I think I may see why he wanted to do that. Let's count their next. Let's see. One, two, three, seven games. Uh, they're coming tomorrow. They're at home against Philadelphia. That could be good for what ails them. Uh, then they play Boston. Mm. Then they go on the road to Carolina. Then they come home to host Vegas. It's just getting harder. Then they host Pittsburgh. Then Vancouver comes to town, which, Hey, that might work to their advantage. It, it then, could, but
0: it's the back to back for them.
1: Yeah, and then after that they're going on the road and playing at Pittsburgh. Yeah. So Yeah, I would I would wait until after that stretch of games to take over coaching too. Frankly. <laughs> that is November could be absolutely brutal for the Leafs.
0: And that's and that's the thing, like as you mentioned, they lost games to the, the teams they're supposed to beat. You're supposed to beat the Coyotes. Uh, you know, you're you're supposed to win those games against the Canadians. You're supposed to Uh, you know, beat the Sharks, but you lost those games and now you've got to find ways to beat the top team, two teams in the league multiple times and the ageless Penguins. Like, it can get really bad in Toronto really quickly. These next few, these next two weeks or so, really you're going to be telling of where they go. I think there could be a coaching change really soon there uh or some type of trade just something to shake it up something i i i have no answers for why the beliefs are, are what's happening right now
1: well well then the you mentioned the trade aspect of it i don't know who you move from this team to be honest yeah it's it's so
0: talented and like you know i i know that they've always had a target of marner up there, but like great, you trade a star like Marner, what do you get in return for that? You know, it frees up some cap space, but what do you get? You get a second round draft pick and a young, you know, third, third line player or something like that. A guy that could play third line.
1: Yeah. and, And the, and the other part of it is that after this season, a lot of their forwards are getting ready to become UFAs either in the 23-24 season or the 24-25. So if you're uh, Chicago, for example, and you've got, you know, two golden tickets there, uh, you have to take some salary back to -hmm. make a deal like that work. And I just don't know how crazy a team like Chicago is to... Trade, you know, Patrick Kane for William Nylander or something like that. Retain half of Patrick Kane's salary, and oh, great, we have Nylander for all of this year and next year. Like, I just, mean, I, I just a bad. I don't see someone like that making that move.
0: Yeah, it's it's unlikely to happen. Uh, feels more like a video game type of move. Yeah, uh, uh, like you could pull that off in NHL 23 or something like that, but.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and and for their – and when it comes to moving draft, draft picks
0: – Yeah, uh, they can.
1: Yeah, they have a first. They don't have a second, a fourth, or a seventh. And their third-round pick right now is tied up in a conditional thing with Arizona. So even if you do maintain that pick, you probably can't move it. So at, at this point, I don't know that you can – trade your way out of this. Granted, they've had some injuries pile up, but I don't know that taking Jake Muzzin and Timothy Lilgren off this team should have that kind of impact. Yeah, it's... And and the other thing that goes along with that is... A lot of the discourse around it is, well, you already gave these players another coach. You moved on from Mike Babcock. You gave them Sheldon Keefe, who's this big, you know, players coach that everybody loves. Uh, if they've tuned him out, what what sort of message are you sending by just replacing him with someone else? Granted, if you're replacing him with Barry Trotz, I get that. But, you know, there's something to be said for, uh, the you know, the the thing that I always said for years in Detroit when they were talking about, Oh, Jeff Blashell needs to be fired was, you know, Scotty Bowman's not going to come in and do a better job with this roster, you know? So it's not always a coaching yeah. aspect of it.
0: Yeah. I I don't, I don't think the coaching is what the issue is right now. It, it, it honestly probably is just, you know, we're, we're at the start of the season. They're not, they're not far out of it right now. They could, The, Crake off, you know, a bunch of wins against these upcoming teams. They're good enough to do it, but it's just a situation where not the start of the season that you would be expecting and you could maybe stomach it if it wasn't for those late third periods and the way that they looked late in the game. You know, if it was one of those like, ah, man, just a bad bounce, but it's like they're being outplayed at times and look so this can it out there. It's very, uh, I'll tell you, t- tuning in for to Maple Leafs games have not been what I was expecting this year.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that you have to kind of stay the course with it because we really learned the value of staying the course with Tampa Bay who struggled for a number of years, didn't move Samkos, didn't move Kucherov, didn't move Vasilevsky and, you know, had a very powerful you know, playoff performances going forward. Uh, the Washington Capitals didn't move Backstrom, didn't move Ovechkin, got mm-hmm. to a cup eventually. So I if I'm this team, I, I I want them to stay the course, but if they are still in this kind of hole come Thanksgiving, uh, that might be the time for a panic move. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on from the Leeds, uh
0: Before we talk the Senators' sale and get into a uh, little... Fun little game with that. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Coyotes. The Yotes finally home. Uh, and all I've been hearing from every team that has, so far has played uh, the Coyotes is that the ice is absolutely fabulous.
1: Which is surprising because a lot of players are quick to complain about the quality of ice there. Yeah. Or just in, at arenas in general, not necessarily in Arizona. Well, that's so, and that's the thing.
0: The, you you nailed it right there. We always hear about how bad the ice is. You never hear, uh, you know, to uh, Nashville because they got the best ice in the. You never hear that. Yeah. But so far, everybody's like, you know, what they're doing here at, at the with the Coyotes is really good. Like, I like playing here. Oh, but the locker rooms suck.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the locker rooms are. Man, that is something else. I understand they're making renovations for it, but for those of you listening that maybe didn't see it, it's just a picture of a big empty room with a wall of these like metal stalls around them. It it, reminded me of the lockers we used when I played football in high school. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's actually worse than those. (laughs) Yeah, it it may be. I I at least could put a lock on it. Uh, But for... They're the Coyotes. Ryan Reeves, I know. praised the ice. Who else was it that you heard I come out and say I can't remember.
0: I think it was. Uh, who would they play their first game there? Because um, it, it was, it was, it was somebody. It was somebody on. Uh, can't remember who the hell they played game. Probably should have had that ready to go.
1: Uh, Winnipeg.
0: Um. Ah, oh, crap. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who it was, but it was somebody. It was a. 'Cause Winnipeg was somebody on Winnipeg very much praised the ice and I, I was like, Oh, that's funny of it, and this came across the timeline. And it was like, Oh, that's two players now that I've seen give praise to this. There's something to this that's happening now. It's not just a one off, like there's more and there's more players talking about the locker room as well. So
1: Yeah, and I and like you said, you never hear those sort of compliments about the ice at when you're the visiting team so i like half of me is wondering is like are they just trying to be polite and be and (laughs) find something to praise about this situation go oh the ice was good or like are the is it a genuine thing when somebody was like no that was a really good sheet of ice to play on that ruled
0: um, I also saw uh, Lawson uh, Kraus was talking about it after uh, their practice. so there's been there's a few players out there that um have actually been praising the uh, ice situation out there, which, you know, hey, good for them. And also, you know, moving on from the ice, I gotta say, uh, their home opener, the energy was awesome. The Ranger game, the energy was awesome. Everything I've seen so far out of uh, those games is is kind of, I feel like you and I were the only two that were really excited for this and saw kind of a benefit of this. I, I know it looks bad on the outside, and it's LOL, look at the Coyotes, a team that can't find a home, that can't, you know, who are they? Phoenix, Arizona, what's their name? Who knows? Who knows? But oh, they play in an eight thousand seat arena. Oh, that's not an arena. You know, it's a college. Ho- it's a college ice hockey place.
1: Yeah, but I, I think I we're didn't...
0: seeing the positives to it in in these first few games. I think we're seeing the positives to it.
1: Yeah, and, and the and and I think I wasn't so excited to think of this as an advantage, just as something that's it's so remarkably different. It's unique. Yeah, and I really want to try to get to a game and to experience it. Uh, I don't know if you've been to many college hockey games. Uh, being in Columbus, I get to go to see Ohio State uh, pretty much whenever I want. And wow. it's, it's a much more, like, fun, laid-back atmosphere. And it seems like a lot of people uh, have really appreciated that, which, you know, they're leaning into it. And that's probably the best way to do it. Because if you told me that I was the marketing director for this, I had to take this situation and spin it into a positive, my first instinct would be to quit. Because I wouldn't know how to do it. Uh, Beyond that, you know, they've really you leaned into having a student atmosphere. They have student tickets set aside for a whole student mm-hmm. section. They have a drum line. Uh, they gave out uh commemorative, like fake mullets for people to wear because it's mullet arena. Uh, it's really, really cool to see somebody take something and try to make it into something positive like that. And I'm envious at this point. I really want a chance to go out and see it.
0: Yeah. It, it... Seems like a fun reader to go to for sure. And, and for all the reasons you said, like, I love that they're embracing it. that's, that's when I first heard that that's all I wanted. You know, we didn't have the show yet, but I kept hearing everybody just dump on it and dump on it. I was like, but you're not seeing it from the idea, from the perspective of this can build this franchise that has struggled some form of a base, some form of a fan base. That is excited to go there. Sure, even if it is just college kids that are there for the next, you know, two years for an upperclassman, maybe, maybe you get a, a freshman for the next four years that, that's gonna be there. But like, you gain this, this fun college fan base that doesn't, isn't gonna care at the same time whether or not they're winning or losing. He's gonna see this as a fun chance to go out with frat bros, sorority sisses. Uh, just friends and just have some drinks, get rowdy at a hockey game. like, And it comes across as a rowdy, fun place to watch a hockey game. But like, not like rowdy, like I don't want to take my... It's going to be... But rowdy just in like, that's what I want the hockey environment to be. It's electric. It's coming... The electricity comes through my TV. That makes it one of those places where I'm like, that seems like a fun place to play. Like during the Ranger game, I don't know if you saw any of the Ranger games, Like, there was at moments dueling back and forth, let's go Yotes, let's go Rangers, chants. Like, when the hell is the last time I watched a game between the Coyotes and the Rangers and heard the fans going back and forth chants? That's something yeah. you hear in Carolina. That's something you hear in Detroit. That's something you hear in Toronto. Like, Montreal, like, you hear that in those places. You not hear that in a
1: Coyotes game. But that place is so
0: cool that it was able to really drive it home,
1: and and they said that uh, that like I'm looking at the at a third party ticket site whose name should not be mentioned until someone gives me money to talk about the other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they right now the if I was trying to go to the game against the Panthers tonight, which granted they're on Pacific time, so it's not like about to have puck drop or anything like that. Uh, cheapest tickets I could find 80 bucks and that's in the, you know, the section that's not quite behind the goal line, just a little off to the side, makes it a little hard to see, uh, the center ice about, uh, behind the penalty box, 111 bucks. If I'm behind the home and visitor bench, that's 171 bucks. Uh, there's some sort of club level seats. that are like a little under 400. I'm very curious how that comes about. Uh, but once you factor in fees and everything here, you probably get that around, you know, five, $600. So these are pretty standard pricing ba- compared to what I see in Columbus on a regular basis for a weekday game. Just no lower bowl or upper bowl, rather, to speak of.
0: Yeah. And no cannon.
1: Um... Uh, now, now, let me ask you this about it when it comes to that. You know, they're. Official seating capacity is 5,026. Okay. Uh, their game against the, either the Rangers or Winnipeg, uh, The one of those games had a big television presence, so they lost some seats for that. They ended up selling out at like 4,500. What's that like for a fan, do you think? I Especially, think... Not just, not just the casual fan for a second. Let's think of the long-suffering coyotes fan you've been there for the shane Doan era you've been there through the chance to the trip to the conference finals you've been there through any number of city council meetings what is this like for those guys i wonder i mean i i'm sure it's
0: hard but i would my my only piece of advice and it uh, would be to try and embrace it for all the things the positives that we've kind of said and the things we're talking yeah. about is like Yeah, sure, you look around and you're like, damn, this is barely over 4,000 people here. But then you look around and you go, oh, but there's 4,000 of us on top of each other. When's the last time I went to a game to see this team and we were this on top of each other? And then again, because it is smaller, how loud it then is. Like, I feel like it's got to be a culture shock right away. But yeah, what you're about to say, the engagement as well of the crowd.
1: Yeah, how engaged are all the fans there versus, you know, what I would typically imagine a uh a Coyotes uh sort sort of crowd was in their old arena, which is, you know, some, you know, parents taking a couple of kids there just for the sake of something to do on a Friday or Saturday night that are, okay. you know, are paying half attention the whole time. Here with with this number of people, you got to have everyone's got to be hyper focused on this and fixated and yelling and see, I like I said, I really want to see it.
0: And that's the other thing; that's another great point. Since it's so small, that is four thousand people that want to be at that game. Yeah, there's four thousand, like you, you, because those tickets are going to sell out fast. That is four thousand people that really want to be there, so they're going to be excited to be going to a hockey game. So I, I, I love it. I'm big fan of it. It's it's turning into I don't you know, I'm no no the coyote season probably definitely going like nowhere, but I have an that, investment to tune into
1: coyotes. That was another thing I was curious about too is what do you think it's like for a player in that environment?
0: From what I've seen, the players seem to be enjoying it. And yeah. I, I I don't blame them because as as someone who is taking in this product, I'm enjoying it. So I have to imagine that if I'm enjoying it, that joy is seeping out to them. They can feel it, you know, cuz it's all it's all electricity, man. It's all I can get into all stuff of like, you know, energy and things like that, but they're definitely feeling it. They definitely know. You know, th- this is an engaged crowd. Like they 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 are it seems they're enjoying it and they
1: should. Yeah, and I could see for a uh, for a recently drafted rookie or for a free agent that ended up in Arizona, kind of getting tired of it, especially if you go on the road and see all these really super nice accommodations and you come back to your place and it's kind of eh. uh. But I bet visiting teams are having a blast with it. You know, locker room aside, uh, it, it, you know, I'm sure plenty of these guys played to arenas like this when they were in juniors. Or, or you know, some of them may have been college players themselves as well. And, and if you, you know, are going to get pouty face for not playing in front of twenty thousand people for one night, you're kind of a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yay, Coyotes! Uh, enjoy.
0: It's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. So hopefully, everybody who is a Coyotes fan, you're enjoying it. Been out to the game, hopefully. please hit hit one of us up on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know what the environment is like and how it was. Um, or
1: if you want to invite us to a game, I'll try (laughs) Uh,
0: moving on to the, uh, final thing. So I actually missed this. You brought it up when we were doing show prep rundown. Uh, the senators are for sale.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, and, and and part of me bringing this up is the, I was, uh, was something I saw yesterday. Actually, there was like, There was a mullet arena-sized crowd at the Sabres-Red Wings games last night, and everyone started talking about how this team needs to move to Quebec City, Mm -hmm. which I used to really kind of advocate for these people, but they've really gotten kind of annoying at this point. Uh, It's a Monday night game. It's a terrible team. It's, you know, the 31st of October, so a lot of parents are probably taking their kids trick-or-treating. We don't need to dump all over the Sabres for one bad game of attendance. We don't yeah. need to start talking about relocating them. Let's calm down. Let's do that with someone who has very consistently had attendance issues. The Ottawa Senators, who it was announced today, are up for sale. And so, the naturally, the first thing everyone starts talking about is the team going to be relocated. If you're going to keep them in Ottawa, is that going to be contingent on having a deal to get an arena downtown instead of being in the suburbs? Like you hear everyone always complain about. Yeah. And it got it, it got the wheels in my head turning. Suppose you're taking over the NHL, right? Okay. Yeah, there's no conditions on anything, but you have to move one team. Who are you moving and where are you moving them to? I have to move a team who are you moving and where are you to
0: that is a great question I know Kansas City seems to always be a popular suggestion Um, arena
1: ready to have a tenant just does not currently have a tenant very easy to to move on in there yeah um,
0: Seattle got its team Vegas has got its team so out there on the west you know I mean, is there really a spot out there that doesn't have one right now that
1: could? Nick, you gotta dream with me. You gotta think big here. I'm think I'm, you, thinking, I'm I, thinking I don't wanna hear Kansas City. I don't wanna hear Houston, this massive new market that you Yo. know exists out there. Let what will you play with me? All, will right, you go all right down this journey with me. take, take me Arizona. down what
0: journey you're thinking.
1: Arizona. Now, all consistent issues, embarrassment for the league. As much as we just talked them up a whole bunch, pack them up, send them out of town. Although,
0: like that last uh, that... ten minutes, uh, it was great and all, but time for
1: uh, you to move. <laughs> pack your bags, you're now, getting out Arizona. Well, well, what I'm total side note. Now that the the Phoenix Suns are going to be sold. The biggest thing, the reason they always didn't share the arena is the Suns owner won nothing to do with the Coyotes. And based on what we've read a lot about them, who can blame them? Uh, But with that changing up, maybe there's a better ownership situation that opens up there. Hard to say. But I take the Coyotes, and I'm going to send them to a place that's a little off, off the trail, so to speak. A place you and I have both been to. Not at the same time, but you and I have both been there. I'm talking about the NHL franchise of the Mexico City Coyotes. Oh, you want Mexico City? Yeah, Mexico City. They, it could work. It could
0: work. I do not recall my trip to Mexico City uh, meeting many people that were interested in hockey. <laughs> well, of course not. They don't have a team. Um, I I mean it's it's bold. It's it's listen. If if anybody would do it, it would be the NHL. I I could see them putting a team in London just to try and beat the NFL to it. Um, oh, that
1: would be sick. Uh, but, even but though that, I don't but, think it
0: makes sense. But
1: see, with a London team. With a London team, it, you have that huge, huge flight on over there, huge, huge flight on back. They go yeah. on the road. They need to do it for a month at a time for it to be worth it. Mexico City, it's right there. Uh, you no, know, I
0: I don't hate it, uh, but I'm also not really ever I, – I would vote no as an owner <laughs> on that one. Uh, I would – because I would probably move – Arizona to Atlanta and give Atlanta back a team. Yes. I always felt, I, I always felt that the Thrashers thing was kind of a a force to move back to uh, give Canada a team again because they're always crying up there that they don't have enough teams. Um,
1: hey, they got two out of Atlanta.
0: Yeah, so I, I I felt Atlanta was a really good market, you know.
1: I I did read that Anson Carter is putting together an ownership group to explore the possibility of putting a team in Atlanta again. I mean,
0: it's, 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 it's a city. It's a big enough city that I, and and I know he was popular there. I remember reading the story. I might've been down go down goes Brown that did it. uh, Or maybe Wyshynski. One of them, I I think were the ones that turned me onto it. Uh, But I've seen the stories of, the places where hockey was and then when the team moved and like how much the community was impacted because of how much like in Atlanta, for instance, a lot of people who had never known about hockey had the thrashers and then had a bond with that team. You know, Dan Heatley and them like went out into the community and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden this team's gone and a bunch of kids though Are playing hockey in the area, and they've got hockey in the area, but they don't have that pro team there anymore. It's like, but the pro team was fueling all these little independent hockey. That's now starting to struggle because there's not a you know
1: there's a now that doesn't have a hockey.
0: So they're, they're not
1: interested. And Columbus is a lot like that too, that there's all sorts of these junior hockey programs now and all, and you're seeing NHLers that grew up playing in those programs and things like that. Uh, It's, it's what, if you give it a chance, man, like the easiest way to make more hockey fans is make more hockey players because then you understand the rules and you know what you're after. Yeah. You just got to give it 20 or so years to do something like that. But I don't know if anyone can do it. I think Anson Carr would be particularly qualified to make something like that work. Yeah. Ooh, what if you move Arizona to New
0: Mexico? To New Mexico? Yeah. That's
1: kind of a lateral it's, move.
0: It's, it's it's a it's a compromise. It's for your Mexico City.
1: <laughs> no nah, man, we d- dude, like Mexico City's entire pop. It probably has the population of New Mexico. You know what? That's a bold statement for me to make. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> All right. Well, you look that up. I'm also going to the
0: other one of I could see if you were making a move as well to move a team into San Francisco.
1: Uh, and yeah, a because, one there with Because the you have San Jose, but that's not an easy commute to make.
0: Yeah, I, I would give California another team along there and really hype up that idea. If you got the Sharks at a San Francisco City team,
1: and then San Francisco, or put them in Oakland. Uh, yeah, because could could somewhere like New York handle another team? Because you always hear about it, Toronto getting a second team, but...
0: I, I would say LA, give LA a second team first, Yeah, or put one in San Diego. Um, Ooh,
1: now you're talking.
0: You know, something like that. That's
1: a tough sports town, though.
0: It is. It is. It is. Some of these places that I'm naming, like Oakland's going to lose their baseball team. Uh, that, that seems to be a thing where the uh, it seems more and more inevitable that the A's are going to Uh Which, props to the NHL. They were the first ones to get it Everybody has followed suit. The NFL was like, we're going to move the Oakland Raiders here. And now we're, we're going to move the Oakland A's
1: here. Um, yeah. And the NBA and
0: LeBron James is trying desperately to get
1: a team in Vegas. Yeah. And for and to their credit, I always, always said, I was like, there's no way hockey would work in Vegas. A third of the city works at night. Who's going to go to these games? So I that's always, why you don't listen to me.
0: And I always said, damn right it's going to work because that's a town that's been, thr- that's just clamoring and been screaming, we want a sports team. They don't care who it is. Whoever goes first is going to grab the city and hold it. And Vegas just is lucky that they've been good uh, to come right out of the gate because Seattle is going to be the one that struggles if the NBA moves back because it's not going to matter if the NBA team sucks. They're always going to remember the Supersonic.
1: Yeah.
0: there's There's just more of a love connection Supersonics there, which is what I think would happen if you move, put a hockey team back in Atlanta. You've got a lot of the the kids that are now adults that have their kids now. That it's like, well, I had a team here, and now the team's back, and let's go, we're going. You're gonna watch what I.
1: Yeah, because c- we're spoiled as fans of original six teams. We are. It? Why did I grow up watching the Red Wings while well, my father watched the Red Wings, as did his father before him? Mm-hmm. Probably the same situation for you with the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. It I watched the Rangers,
0: think- and that's.
1: Just what was going to happen with me. It almost makes you think of how the entire state of New Mexico has a population of 2.1 million and the population of Mexico City exceeds eight and a half million. Well, that's, you know. So I'm just saying, if you want to throw a team into a major metropolitan area... We shouldn't turn our noses up at Mexico City. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll have it. Sugar Skulls as their logo and Dios de los Muertos jerseys, and
0: it's going to be great. Um Oh, man, I'm forgetting the uh, Simpsons joke now. Um, with the isotopes. Uh, when Homer goes on the hunger strike. Was it uh, Albuquerque?
1: Yeah, Albuquerque. Albuquerque, that's where Albuquerque, Albuquerque. there it is.
0: There we go. There we go.
1: Uh, we have lost the plot
0: yeah on on that note we should probably wrap up we'll wrap up on Albuquerque (laughs) um all right thank you guys for hanging out another week um
1: John plug whatever you want to plug uh you can follow me on Twitter uh I heard a weird white guy owns it now so that might come to an end uh but I am at JT Evans the number zero
0: all right, and uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I have a blue check mark for now. Uh, eventually, because of that white guy, uh, I will lose that. Uh, but my account is wonderful under Radio. And again, you'll know it's me for now because <laughs> my blue check mark that verifies I am a real person. But apparently, it also means I might be a bot. I don't know. I'm very confused by the guy's description of why i'm gonna we're we're gonna stop recording and we're gonna
1: talk about this now.
0: yeah yeah all right (laughs) bye everybody
1: (laughs) see ya i started drinking with me cousins as far as i can tell well we never caused no trouble in fact we all worked out quite well there was me and there was billy Making quite a scene with the beer and the of the whiskey and then many other things. The last week of October and we were by the falls in room number 32 right down the kitchen hall. My grandfather told me, it's in your Irish blood you see. Broke down the situation and here's what's wrong with me. I got all of booze and
0: education there for free. I hung on to these moments, but we got nothing left to say. It isn't
1: hard to figure out how I ended up this way. This is what I am. How the hell could you ever understand?
0: No, oh, it's a shame that you.